Hey guys, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to this week's episode of Unnatural. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing awesome. And I just literally found out about 10 minutes ago what episode we are covering today. So I'm completely in the dark as our audience is, but I'm excited to find out what you have for us this week. Yeah, so today we are going to talk about a little girl named Cherry Mahan who went missing uh, shortly after getting off of her bus from school, and she hasn't been seen since. Now, I'm curious as to how you originally found out about this case, because I had never heard about it before. So I had um, been actually just kind of scrolling through a true crime group on Facebook, And somebody shared a video, like an interview that her mom had done recently Mm. talking about it. So I got interested because it's been over 35 years now that she's been missing. So then you went down the rabbit hole. I went down the rabbit hole. That's for sure. All righty. Are we ready to get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. Cue the music. August 14, 1976, to her mom, Janice, who was just 16 years old at the time. And Janice had later talked about um, that Cherry was conceived due to rape, but unfortunately, nobody believed her and no charges were ever filed against the father. But, you know, that didn't really have any sort of impact on their relationship because Cherry's mom said, that she loved being a mom and the two of them were always together. They were inseparable. Even people around the community, family members, friends, schoolmates of Janice's had talked about just how great of a mom she was, even being so young. Now, some years later, Janice met a man named Leroy McKinney and they did eventually get married. Now, I read in a couple sources that Leroy ended up adopting Cherry, but I'm not 100% sure if that's accurate. They lived in Butler County, Pennsylvania in the Winfield Township, which is, it's super small. Yeah, very rural, it looks like. Yeah, I think the nearest, like, bigger city, which is, like, maybe only 20, 30,000 people, is still, like, a two-hour drive away. So, you're really isolated. So Cherry was always described as like a spunky little girl. She was so friendly. She was so nice. And if you look at pictures of her, she is just so cute. Like she's got these cute little bangs, brown hair, hazel eyes. And by all accounts, she was just a wonderful little girl. Now, fast forwarding to Friday, February 22nd of 1985. As usual, Cherry was riding the bus home from school and... She was with her friends and she got off around 4.10 p.m. And I guess generally Janice would normally pick her up at the bus stop, but this day she didn't. Um, But it wasn't uncommon for Cherry to 
walk home. Her driveway was, I think, about 50 feet from the bus stop. And then it was another, like, she had to walk up a hill and then, like, down her driveway, which I think was about, like, a quarter of a mile long to her actual house. So Cherry was riding the bus with three friends, and Debbie, a mom of one of her friends, picked up the other three girls. She was parked at the bus stop, and she did say that she saw Cherry get off the bus, um, and Cherry was walking towards her driveway. And like I had mentioned earlier, Janice usually picked her up, but that day she was at the house cooking dinner, um, so she wasn't down there. And they did live in a super rural area like we talked about, and their trailer was like way back in the woods. And Janice had said that it usually does take Cherry about 10 minutes to get from the bus stop to her house up the hill and whatever. So the 10 minutes came and went. And um, Janice and Leroy said that they did hear the bus. So they were starting to wonder, well, you know, like maybe she was just playing down there for a few minutes. It's taking a little longer. Yeah, I remember walking from my bus stop, which was about a five minute walk for myself as a kid. And sometimes you're just kind of lollygagging around and it takes you longer than it does on other days. Yeah, you find a cool stick. You start just like jumping and dancing (laughs) around and playing. Yeah, your imagination gets the best of you. Yeah, so they didn't really think too much of it when it had been, you know, 10, 15 minutes. But then one of Cherry's friends called the house and asked for her. Now, Janice immediately starts panicking because this friend was supposed to be on the bus with her. So where did she go? Right. So if the friend's already home, then obviously she should be home. Right. Now, Leroy jumped in his truck and went to look for her. Um, You know, he drove down the driveway. He didn't see her. And then they, you know, he drove around the area a little bit. They thought maybe like she slipped and fell and hit her head or something because their driveway was a bit of an incline and it's February in Pennsylvania. I assume there's snow or ice around. So when Leroy didn't immediately find her, Janice called the police um, because it was not like her to wander off if she wanted to go to a friend's house or something. She would have gone up to the house, told them, asked, and then went. Or like a like a another parent would have called to, you know, say, hey, is it okay if Cherry comes over to my house today? Sure. And how old was she at this time? She's eight. Okay. Okay. So um, by the time evening rolls around, they still haven't found Cherry. And what I thought was really cool about this case is the cops got involved immediately. Now... Which, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, back in the 80s, they they don't. So anyway, so the, the police and even a handful of volunteers had had come to the area and they were searching for her. This hap- this All of this happened within like two hours wow. of when she should have gotten dropped off by the bus. Like some specialty rangers even came with uh, two dogs and they were searching the area. But there was absolutely no trace of Cherry anywhere. And then um, this was a Friday when she disappeared. So the search continued over the weekend and more than 250 people by this point in time had showed up to start. Well, wow. at least that's, that's encouraging that the whole community was involved at this point. Yeah. And it is a really small community. So you think, you know, one person hears, Oh shoot, a little kid's missing. We got to get the whole community together. Yeah. It's a tight knit group. Yeah, for sure. 
During the search, there was some clothing found in the woods nearby, but after Leroy or Janice had taken a look at it, they had determined that it didn't belong to Cherry. And at the time that she went missing, Cherry was wearing a gray coat, a denim skirt, a little white leotard, uh, blue leg warmers, tan boots, and Cabbage Patch Kids earmuffs. Oh, because Cabbage Patch was all the rage Yeah, back I then. mean, you listen to this outfit, and it sounds so cute and very, very 80s. Yeah, very nice. Love it. Now, the police had immediately, you know, started questioning Janice and Leroy, um, but they had, you know, they had no idea. You know, they kind of had to, like, really start looking at, all right, we need to get some suspects. We need to get some people of interest. We need to talk to witnesses who you know, parents, other kids who were at the bus stop that day. Debbie, who I mentioned earlier, was one of the other moms, had told the Associated Press, quote, I sat in the car and watched the kids get off. They played for a while. I made sure Cherry walked past the car. Then I drove away, end quote. And Debbie had also said that she noticed a van parked nearby that was very out of place. It was a blue van with a skier mural on the side Hmm. yeah that's something that stands out yeah especially in such a small community you know if someone has a van with a giant mural of people skiing down a mountain on the side you know you're you're gonna know who that belongs to so the fact that she picked up that van and said hey this was weird that van immediately became like the main thing in in the investigation well and this is interesting because usually in these child abduction cases it's the law enforcement immediately goes to somebody in the family somebody who knew the family something like that but it sounds like this is going in a different direction yeah so you know people were asking was was cherry being watched was you know had anybody seen this van around before, you know, was was Cherry like a target and the people in this van were just waiting for the opportunity to snatch her. Right. And Debbie did say that she watched, you know, she saw Cherry walk past the van, but she didn't see anybody get out. You know, Cherry didn't stop and talk to whoever was inside. And some students had said that the van was following them. Mm. Now, you kind of got to keep in mind, like, these are all Probably, you know, I assume like younger kids, eight, nine, 10, younger, older. Sometimes I think like if I'm driving and there's a car behind me and, you know, I turn left and they turn left and I turn right and they turn right. I'm like, is this person following me? But then, you know, eventually we go opposite ways. So. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But the fact that the van was parked by the bus stop, you know, it's, 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 who knows? Was, was the cherry, the target? Was he following or was it a coincidence? Yeah. Was was the person driving the van just waiting to find any kid? We really don't know. So like I said, the van became the center of the investigation. The police released sketches of what it looked like. And there was, there was like a handful of tips coming in about the van, but none of them really led to anything. And, you know, like there was no link of this van to Cherry or anyone in the family. And then no one had seen, like, the van after she disappeared, the van wasn't seen in the area again. Until a couple of years later, in August of 1987, a tip came in about the van. 
So now at this point, Cherry has been missing for about two and a half years and it's it's pretty cold. You know, they did they did take a pretty good look at Janice or at Janice and Leroy. Um, but, you know, they they passed the lie detector tests and they did look really hard at Cherry's biological father. But, you know, he took a lie detector test and he passed mm-hmm. as well. So they didn't really have any solid suspects at this point. So anyway, um, two and a half years after she goes missing, two 12 year old girls had reported that they were being followed by a van. Um, It didn't have its headlights on. And a man with a ski mask got out and chased them down an alleyway, but they escaped. Um, And these two girls had said that the van had a skier mural on the side, but um, it was nighttime, so they couldn't say for sure what color it was. Wow, how terrifying for those girls. And also, was, was this in the same area? That Cherry's abduction had taken place? Um, I think I don't like roughly. Um, no, it wasn't too far from Cherry's abduction. Um, it happened about two, three hours away. So, you know, at this point in time, Cherry's case was still a really, really big deal. Um, it was being really publicized locally in newspapers. Um, Janice was, was really making a big deal out of it, obviously, because her eight year old baby girl is missing. She wants her found. Right. Some of the leads that came in over time seemed promising, but you know, the, the family said, you know, they, they really weren't trying to get their hopes up. And Cherry's grandma pretty much said in an interview that there were hundreds of tips about the van and, um, you know, none of them really panned out. So every time a new tip came in, they really didn't want to get their hopes up. And um, and you can see why, because if it's already been two years, you don't want to get your hopes up on just some tip. Right. And uh, one of the state troopers named Marilyn Stackhouse said that there were thousands of vehicles with murals on them registered at the time. So like the 80s. Am I right? Not necessarily all of them were skier murals, but vans with murals in general. Yeah, you got to go through all of them to decipher which ones kind of fit the bill for this. Right. Uh, Now, at this point, Jerry's case is starting to get more national attention. So much so to the point that there was a show on NBC at the time called Missing Have You Seen This Person? And it was hosted by Meredith um, Baxter Barney. Do you know? Do you remember who she is? I've heard the name. Um, she played the mom on Family Ties. Oh, I remember her. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, so that's a fun little fact. She was the host. Now, this show, they had like every episode featured a handful of missing people all throughout the country. And... Um, Cherry's mom had hoped that by her daughter being featured in something like this, that was going to be seen all over the United States, that that might, you know, inspire somebody to come forward with any sort of information. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some leads from this. Right. Now, um, I looked everywhere to find this show. Yeah. And it, it, it was it's it's nowhere like it's not oh, on, it's not on it, YouTube. It's not on 
it's nowhere. I was going to say, because if it were, I would watch that right now. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's it's not, unfortunately. Um, but I did find a handful of news articles that talked about the show. And so in, um, in Sherry's segment, she actually got a longer segment than a lot of the other cases. And that's because they, they actually did like a reenactment of what they thought happened. Oh, yeah. Now, the little girl that they had playing Cherry looked just like Cherry. And Cherry's mom, Janice, saw it and she said, quote, I knew it wasn't her, but. It felt like it was her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just imagine, like, having to see a reenactment of what people think happened to your little girl who you haven't seen in years at this point. And then you. Yeah, and then you see somebody who looks like your little girl. And I'm sure that just brings it all back. Yeah. And this part really actually kind of upset me because during the bus part, they got Cherry's classmates to be involved. They were on the bus. Yes, they were on the bus. No. That would never fly today. That would never happen today. I'm, I mean, you know, people like <laughs> oh parents God. and, you know, the like producers and whatever said that, that the kids didn't mind. God. Talk about heartless though. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some of the kids thought like, oh, cool. You know, I'm going to be on TV. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But the kids don't know. They don't know what it's yeah. about. And you, you said this was on NBC. Yeah. Come on, NBC. Well, you know, what are you? What are you gonna do? Do whatever you can for ratings. That's what they would say back then. Yeah, that's probably that's like what they say today. Still, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't think they're exploiting kids like they used to, though. No, probably not. <laughs> anyway, so after this had aired, three hundred additional tips came in, either either to the local police station or. There was like a hotline listed at the end of the show. And more tips from Cherry's segment in particular came in than any other missing persons case featured on this show. I don't know um, wow. exactly how many episodes there were. Uh, I assume it ran for at least one full season. Right. Yeah. Either way, this sounds promising. Yeah. You'd think. Um, a lot of tips came in about the van, but the, nothing. They were all dead ends. Now, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children had been established just one year prior to Cherry going missing. And that organization took a special interest in Cherry's story. And Cherry actually became the first child um, to be featured on their like super well-known Have You Seen Me oh, wow. postcards. Yeah. Postcards. Do you remember postcards? Not like the posters. <laughs> They, I do, yeah. Yeah, they partnered with um, a direct mail company and they mailed out more than uh, 40 million of these to homes all across America. My God, so almost everybody got one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And there were several local groups that got involved and um, one specifically it was called Friends and Neighbors of Cherry Mahan. And they raised over $30,000 um, as a reward for information leading to finding Cherry. Wow. 
And then um, some local businesses donated an additional $10,000 uh, for any information that would lead to an arrest. So, you know, the you're wheels are moving at this point. Yeah, you're looking at a $40,000 reward in the 80s. That would be the equivalent to, to what, like $100,000 today? Yeah. So that's a good Somewhere chunk of that. change. And, yeah. um, you know, people are greedy. I, I, I'm often kind of shocked when you see big rewards like that, that more people aren't getting ratted out for these crimes because somebody knows something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Money talks. It does. But nothing, nothing, nothing happened. You know, Cherry's family had, had really hoped that this, that this reward money would be incentive for someone. And it, it would be the key to unlock in somebody's brain. Hey, I can get $50,000. I should say something, but that wasn't the case. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's absolutely free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. Basically, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, and you want to know what else? You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which is really cool. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, the specific van had never been found. There were no solid suspects, no solid leads. Wow. Uh, and now we're going to fast forward to 1998, 13 years after Cherry went missing. Janice had decided to have Cherry legally declared as dead. Mm -hmm. um, in Pennsylvania, you can do that after seven years. But I think, um, I think Janice was still really holding out hope maybe yeah because as any mother as any mother would do yeah absolutely i mean if if it were me and one of my children had went missing like i would not want to have them declared dead yeah no but thir 13 years does a lot to a person it really does and then the you know the $40,000 reward was still out there and uh, Janice decided to donate it to a missing children's like nonprofit group, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, even though she had Cherry legally declared dead, Janice never gave up hope that she would eventually find some sort of answers. And every year, like around the anniversary, Janice and you know, like community members, uh, some of Cherry's friends will get together you know, like at a cafe or, or somewhere local to, you know, just talk about her, remember her, you know, keep her, you know, just keep her alive, like, in, you know, in their hearts, I guess. 
Yeah, keep keep it going. That way it keeps it in the public sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Janice has continued, you know, to work to talk about Cherry. She has uh, a Facebook page and she does, you know, provide updates pretty frequently, usually around, you know, the anniversary of her disappearance on her birthday, stuff like that. So, you know, all of these years have gone by nothing's happened you know tips trickle in every once in a while but they they don't really lead to anything and now we're going to fast forward to 2011 when police got a tip that seemed really promising and they really thought that this you know very cold case was going to get piping hot again Mm. the officer assigned to the case said he didn't think that it was you know some unknown person that took her he thought that it was someone that she knew which kind of blows the lid off of the whole vans you know scenario like was was the van was the van just you know a red herring it really didn't it just was just a coincidence that this strange van was in the area at the time and you know if it was someone she knew you know i would assume that people in this area it's one of those things where everybody knows everybody. So, you know, if a family member or a friend was in the area, you know, maybe someone like wouldn't have taken a a second glance at it. Yeah. Especially after 26 years, I think you would, you would think at some point that it would leak out. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't even know how, how I feel about it. I feel like, I feel like it, I don't know. I don't feel like it was someone she knew. I feel like that van has to be involved. Me, personally, Mm -hmm. that's just my opinion. But very little information was given about what this tip was. Um, Until six months later, when it came out that uh, someone had said that Cherry was alive and well and living in Michigan. Whoa. Mm -hmm. There's a bombshell. Right, like Michigan of all places, but and a few decades later, yeah. So you'd think, and you know, Ch- Cherry was eight years old when she went missing, so you'd think that you know maybe she, like she would have said something to somebody, yeah, if she was just living her life in Michigan. I don't know, um, but the gal who called in the tip. Um, a, a local reporter wanted to do an interview with her. She she was never named, um, but she had said that she saw the blue van with the skier mural on the side uh, at the high school, like a local high school during a track meet, like on the same day that Cherry went missing. Wow. Now, this lady didn't hear about Cherry until quite a while later. And then, I don't know, like one day it just clicked in her head when when she connected the dots. Oh, this yeah. was probably the van that I saw at the school. Because, again, when you see a mural like that, you remember it. Yeah. And then she she did say that she called the phone number on um, like the postcard or the missing persons flyer, um, but she never got a call back. And, um, you know, maybe that could have just been the case of, you know, at the time, hundreds of tips were coming in and maybe hers just got lost in the mix of things. Yeah, it slipped through the cracks. Yeah. And um, 
I'm unsure why she said exactly that Cherry was in Michigan. I couldn't, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there about it. But uh, apparently the police did track down the woman in Michigan who the tipster had alerted the police to. And, you know, she said, no, like, I'm not Cherry. So, like, obviously the police, like, wanted to get a DNA test to confirm. Right. Um. But this woman was, like, without doing DNA, she was able to provide proof that, no, she wasn't Cherry. You know, she had she had her birth certificate. She had school photos going back to kindergarten that, you know, she had lived in Michigan her, her whole life. I guess she just she just looked like Cherry. So the police did their due diligence and determined that this was not her. This is, in fact, a red herring. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then in 2014, a tip had come in about um, where Cherry's body was located. So, um, like, you know, the police and some people got together. They searched the property where the tip said her body was. They, you know, there was dogs and they, they found nothing. Now, um, a year later in 2015... Uh, an age progressed photo of what, you know, Cherry would probably look like today was released. And I'll put that on the Instagram. Wow. And, uh, you know, still nothing really, really came of it. And this is the 30th anniversary at this point. Yeah. Yep. And now I think most heartbreaking of all, you know, everything went cold again after you know, the, this this lead in 2014 came in. Nothing really happened with the photo being released in 2015. Now we're in 2018. And Janice got a lead that is just appalling to me. Um, she got a handwritten letter by someone who called himself Pastor Justice. Now, this Pastor Justice... Uh, gave a very detailed account about how Cherry died and where her body could be found. This is a huge break in the case, it sounds like. Yeah. But, yeah, but, like, imagine being... This was mailed to her house. Wow. It's not like it got sent to the police. It was in Janice's hands. She had to... Imagine reading anything detailing how your child was tortured and murdered and just discarded in the woods like trash yeah it's especially after 30 years right and you know they 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 did the thing again they went and searched the area and there was nothing which i'm sure was probably a bit of a sigh of relief for janice and leroy you know Mm -hmm. that okay that that wasn't real that didn't happen and now even like most recently in february of 2020 Janice did an interview where she said um, that she thought she had an idea of who took Cherry. Do you have any guesses of who she thinks it was? At this point, I have no idea. I'm still thinking of the blue van. Yeah. So um, Janice said that she thought it was someone who was involved with Cherry's biological father. Hmm. Interesting. And why did, why does she think that? Um, she, she didn't really go into it too much. She just kind of dropped the bomb. Like, I think her biological father knows something. He may not have been involved directly, but he's somehow involved. But 
you know, um, he was interviewed extensively by police. Yeah, you said he did a polygraph. Yeah, and there's, you know, really no evidence pointing to him, but the police have said that he does remain to be a person of interest, which I don't know if you know this, but person of interest and suspect are different. Right. So, but really, like, I couldn't find any information about her biological father. His name has never been released. How old he is, where he lives, like, there's there's nothing out there mm. about him, which was kind of frustrating for me while I was researching this. Now, t- even still today, tips still trickle in from time to time. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, few of them are able to be investigated right they're not substantiated yeah you know people will call in about about the van or you know this that and the other but janice has been you know quite open about her grief and her struggles since the disappearance um she said at one point she attempted suicide and uh she had you know she got into drugs for a little bit there just you know i can't I can't imagine coping with something like that in a healthy way, you know? Right. And she, she had uh, said in one interview, something like, you know, she's had to forgive a stranger, you know, she's had, she's had to find it in herself to forgive whoever took her little girl. Like imagine that strength. I, I cannot. What it would do to a person for decades to, have this hovering over you yeah every single day it's not something that ever goes away and you're dealing with it all the time it's going to affect you for the rest of your life yeah well her and leroy did have another child a few a couple years i believe after cherry went missing so that's just i could I don't know if I would be able to have another child after losing one like that. Yeah. And, you know, all things considered, he, it, it was a boy. I, I, uh, his name escapes me, but, um, anyway, you know, it's been over 35 years now that, that Cherry's been gone. And Janice has said, you know, she knows someone knows something, someone somewhere yeah. knows something. And, you know, she has just said several times that she just wishes that someone or anyone would come forward so her decades of torment and grief can can finally be over. And anybody who's hearing this right now, I mean, if there's anybody out there that hears this and knows anything all these years later, go out there, report it. Yeah, there's plenty of, you know, I believe like there's crime stoppers. There's ways to report things anonymously so yeah um that concludes the story of cherry mahan well and hopefully the story of cherry mahan isn't completely concluded hopefully we have some resolution at some points in the near future to this case yeah just like just for her her family you know i think it's i think it's really great that uh, you know, like a like those three girls that were her friends. Yeah. You know, they 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 have remained really close, and you know they get together with Cherry's mom pretty frequently. You know, around the anniversary, and you know they just they talk about her and they remember her, which yeah. I think is is great, especially all these years later. You know, for those little girls to to lose their friends like that. Yeah, absolutely. Keeping the memory alive—that's for sure. 
Alrighty, thank you for joining us on another episode of Unnatural. Um, get in touch with us. You can follow us on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod. Get at us on Instagram, where we post pictures uh, for every episode. That is Unnatural the Podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us a Gmail, Unnatural the Podcast at gmail.com. And if you would be so inclined to sign up for our Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash unnatural the pod. And also be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. And also, do we have an AIM account? I, I'm not sure about that. Shut up. <laughs> I told you no MySpace and you decide to go with AIM. I'm just You're checking. such a pain in the ass. I'm just checking. I mean... <laughs> Is AIM not a thing anymore? Am I am I too? No. Oh shit! Damn it. Neither is MSN Messenger. Okay, I. I think the kids use Kick these days, or like. I. I some other weird messaging app. I still have a few other ones on my sleeve, so. Andy. Yes. What are we doing next week? Well, next week, Emily, we will be teaming up together for the first time. It's an Andy and Emily mashup, and we will be discussing the Molly Tibbetts case as that just came to a close. We'll talk to you then. See ya. the early 2000s that was the best age of music yeah like emo i'm guessing in the early 2000s you were on aim i'm just saying i was (laughs) my screen name was doing x v x dirty wow getting deep right there okay all right 12 year old emily really going deep there okay (laughs) i'm ready